Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. So Easter Sunday really is all about a mystery. We're going to talk a bit about that. Um, Good Friday, there is not a lot of mystery involved in Good Friday. Jesus was brutalised, tortured, hung on a cross, and then he died. And actually, that is the way that the fallen world works. When you torture people, when you put them on a cross, it kills them. They die. That is what was expected Uh, to happen, um, and that's what happened to Jesus. And it was a a day of great disappointment. Uh, And Good Friday, in a funny sort of way, you kind of reflect on the sadness. Now, we in in history now, like 2,000 years later, we know that uh, Easter Sunday is coming, so uh, Easter Saturday doesn't feel like it probably did for his disciples. But on Good Friday, Easter Saturday, they would have felt just huge disappointment, wouldn't they? Huge sadness. Uh, they would have followed him through his ministry. Perhaps even his family would have, who'd have been there would have known him, obviously, from when he was a little kid. His mum was there. She would have remembered carrying him and, uh, in her womb, and there would have been deep sadness. There was expectation as well that he was going to become a king, that he was going to save Israel. He was going to lead them out uh, against the Romans, that they would become a free nation again. All of that disappointment would have been on them on Good Friday and on Easter Saturday. But Easter Sunday actually does something very different. It brings a bit of a, a mystery to us that we need to grapple with every year, in fact, every day, and think about it, because it, it actually asks a very big question of us, Easter Sunday. And uh, yeah, we, when I get home today, my wife has uh, got a roast lamb, which we're going to eat, which is very good. And the kids are knee deep in chocolate, which happens every Easter. But actually, it asks us a bit of an odd question, Easter Sunday. And, and it's worth thinking about. And the question is pretty simple. It's, do you believe that dead people can come back to life? That's the question of Easter Sunday. Do you believe in the resurrection of the dead? Is death the end? Is it final? Those questions should be in our thoughts on, good, on Easter Sunday. And actually, they should be in our thoughts perhaps all of the year round. But they're the big questions that come at us today. So on Good Friday, on Easter Saturday, you might perhaps find yourself thinking, yes, death wins. That's maybe what Jesus' disciples were thinking Maybe it fitted with their expectations of who Jesus was. Actually, yeah, death is going to beat him. It beats everybody. Death wins. But if you are a follower of Jesus, if you say, yep, Jesus is my Lord and my Savior, I I give my life to him. If you say that you become a Christian, then actually today is a very different day. It's a day to celebrate, actually, that Jesus isn't dead. He is alive. And Easter Sunday, we believe, kind of answers those questions, answers the questions of can the dead be brought back to life? Is death final? Well, we'd say, actually, we believe something a bit different. And so we are to reflect on this deep mystery, on life after death, and actually how that changes the way that we live our lives today. 
So we are called to live our lives with a different view of the end point, if that makes sense. A different view of death, because that's what Easter Sunday challenges us to do. Now, death is still an agony. Death is still an abomination in God's creation. It's still a wrong thing. I was thinking um, about three years ago, there was a young man in our Lady Barn site. So Christchurch Manchester has um, six different services across the city in five different locations. And one not far from here in Lady Barn, uh, there was a guy there called Tunde. He was younger than me, probably early 30s, uh, fit, healthier than me. Uh, and uh, he loved God lots. He served loads. We were beginning to talk about making him uh, an elder in Christchurch, Manchester. He was one of those guys that was on a different rotor every week and seemed to quite enjoy it. And it was a fairly unusual chap. And one week he was on, I think he was on crash, and then he just didn't show up. And Andy, who ran that site, was a bit nervous because this Tunde, he always turns up, went to his house and he died just in his sleep, had died. Death is an agony. Perhaps if we watch the news, we would see Ukraine and see death as an agony. Or, oh, sorry, or the Yemen, or any other place on the planet where there is war and suffering and death, and it is the end. It is a finality. Death is still an abomination. But as a follower of Jesus, we are called to look at it very differently. And we will do that this morning. We'll look at the mystery of Easter Sunday, and it is, and we should grapple with it. We shouldn't just blast through it. We should think about it, because this, what happened to Jesus on Easter Sunday is a shock, and it is a shock, and it should be. And we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 15 today, and uh, 1 Corinthians 15 is a long explanation, long piece of teaching by a guy called Paul, who is writing to a church in Corinth about the importance of resurrection. And for him, it was a fundamental. And he argues, he begins this passage by saying, look, Jesus was resurrected and 500 people saw Jesus alive. After he'd been dead and came back to life, 500 people saw him. And he even says, look, some of these people are still alive today. If you want to have a word with them, you you might have to travel to a different part of Europe, but uh, these people are still alive. And Paul himself described how he saw the resurrected Jesus. He was on the road to Damascus. He was on his way to uh, oppress, perhaps kill, but definitely throw in jail uh, this new group of what he believed were called Christians. And he was a Jewish radical and he wanted rid of them. And Jesus appeared to him on the road to Damascus uh, and he became a follower. But in his mind, he saw the resurrected Jesus that day. And if Jesus was raised from the dead, he argues, then actually, therefore, we will all be raised from the dead. And for him, this is a basis. This is a foundation of what it is to be a Christian. What it is to follow Jesus is to say, look, death is defeated. Without this, without that belief, then there is no hope in the world. There is no hope. And then he also explains what our resurrection bodies will look like. He's really pushing these Corinthians. Look, you will be resurrected. You will have a new resurrected body. This is what it will look like. And then we get to the end of 1 Corinthians 15. And Paul calls them, calls us, look, to lift your eyes, to to live with hope. Hope that comes from Jesus' death, his resurrection, our own death, and our own resurrection. And this hope makes us live life in a different way. So Easter for Paul was about the present 
It was about Jesus being resurrected, but it was also about the future, about us being resurrected as well. And so we're going to read a few of these verses, and we're just going to unpack them a bit and see what he means by that. And the first one we'll read is just from verse 50, which should have popped up behind me. Thank you very much, Stuart. If not, you can open your Bibles and follow along with me. It says, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. Remember, Easter Sunday is a mystery, and Paul is explaining it. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall all be changed. For this imperishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on the immortal, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. Now, let's just pause there for a moment. Paul is reminding them, okay, look. Death actually does still sting. We are believing this better future. We are believing in the resurrection of Jesus, the resurrection of ourselves, but death still stings. He's he's trying to help them to look forward and consider their present. So he's explaining, look, a time will come when all will be resurrected, even those who aren't dead yet. He kind of says, look, the dead will be raised, but all of us will be changed, okay? Something will happen. It's a moment in time, a twinkling of the eye, a sound of a trumpet. He describes it, but it's almost like a date in the calendar. This is an actual thing that will happen. The dead shall be raised. All of us will be changed. Now, he's not describing something that is purely spiritual. Okay? He's describing something that is physical as well, and that kind of reflects very much the Jewish worldview of the time. They didn't separate spiritual and physical uh, in the same way that we can do, but actually it was, those things were very much intertwined. So perhaps today we would hear Christians say, uh, when I die, I will go to heaven. And then that's it. They don't say any more than that. Like it's the final hope, but it's kind of a disembodied hope, a bit like heaven is eternity on the beach or something like that. It's a spiritual reality which has no physical nature to it. And actually, Paul is saying it's not necessarily going to be like that. We're looking at something a bit different. He points us to a bodily resurrection. Okay, when all of the universe will be restored, all of creation will be restored, all of humanity will be restored. And Jesus actually taught something very similar. He said, for this is the will of my Father, he said this in John 6, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Effectively, Jesus is saying, look, if you give your life to me, if you follow me, if you believe in this, then you will live forever. You will have eternal life, and I will raise you up to do that. You don't live in a a spiritual kind of place for eternity. Actually, you will live on the new heaven and new earth. Physically, we will raise you up. And we are to live with that knowledge, kind of front and centre. That's how we uh, live our lives. That's motivation for living. And we'll get a bit more into that in a minute. So as well as this truth that Paul teaches them, he also says we live with the sting of death. 
Now he says death is defeated, but at the same time, it still stings. It's still around us, isn't it? And we all have stories of how death has affected us in some way. And if you haven't, you will do. It is everywhere. Just this week, a friend told me his brother-in-law, very sudden heart attack, wasn't expected. He was gone in moments. Another friend of mine, uh, their brother has just discovered that they have cancer and it is uh, very aggressive. Death surrounds us, doesn't it? And Paul also explains, look, what also comes with this, the work of death is sin. And sin is one of those kind of words that Christians can throw around a little bit. So let's just think about it for a moment. He's, he's describing an evil in the world when he talks about sin. A rebellion against God, a self-centeredness, a, a self-worship. But it is an evil. It's a, a, a force. And that causes death. And Paul is saying, look, we need something radical to overturn this. Okay. So let's keep moving. So verse 70, uh, 57, he says, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's saying, look, death stings still, but Jesus wins. Talks about the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So as Paul, he keeps explaining, this Jesus who died and then who came back to life, In that moment, he did something of deep significance. He defeated death and he defeated sin. And he wants us to see, look, this Jesus is God. He is this royal, godly figure who allowed himself to be murdered by crucifixion, okay, so that he could defeat death and uh, sin. Now, crucifixion was used by the Romans, but they, actually the Romans themselves didn't like it. They hated crucifixion. They were embarrassed by it. Um, if you were a Roman citizen, you were not likely to be crucified. The Roman writers didn't really write much about crucifixion. It was so shameful and disgusting. They couldn't bring themselves to talk about it. But they reserved it for their enemies. They would crucify their enemies They would crucify slaves who perhaps um, rose up against their masters and they would crucify rebels. And Jesus was seen as a rebel and an enemy. He was seen as someone who considered himself to be an alternative king to Caesar. And so they crucified him for it. And crucifixion in itself is an act of an empire. It's the act of the strong killing the weak. So all of the people that they would kill, their enemies, slaves, rebels, they were the weak ones in the equation. The Romans, the empire, they were the strong ones. So Jesus went to the cross in weakness and in submission and died. And Paul is saying that's where the victory is, in his weakness, in his submission. Now, we live in a world which is exactly the same as that world 2,000 years ago where the strong dominate the weak, don't they? We, we know it to be true. You, you may see it at your work. You may see a boss who you know, fancies themselves a little bit and bullies and controls and dominates. You may see it in your family. There may be someone in your family who is the stronger one and they use it to hold control. You may see it in our economy. We, we look at uh, the rich being richer and the poor being poorer. You will see the, the strong dominating. Or perhaps just in our world order, where a big country can invade a smaller country and there isn't much that can be done. But Jesus t- 
turned that on its head. He went in weakness to defeat the strong. And who did he defeat? Did he defeat the Romans? Not really. Did he defeat the Jewish leaders of the time? Not particularly. Did he defeat this kind of sense of idolatry or people's bad behaviour? Well, not necessarily. He defeated death and he defeated sin. Now, Easter Sunday is about Jesus beating death for all of us. It wasn't about him kind of cheating the Romans like he pulled a fast one and got away with it. Cheeky Jesus or the Jewish leaders. It wasn't like a daring escape that they all worked out together. This was about the end of death. It was about the end of evil in the universe. And Jesus was the first, the first to be resurrected in this way. Now, it's easy for Easter to make it quite individualistic, actually, isn't it? To say, oh, Jesus died for me. And you kind of make it about your, the things that you may have done. And it is true that he did die for you. But there is a, a much bigger truth of what Jesus did. Now, Fleming Rutledge in her book called The Crucifixion, which is a fantastic book, by the way. Um, and you should all read it, but it's quite thick, so take your time. But it is a great book. But she describes it this way. She says, sin is not so much a collection of individual misdeeds as it is an active, malevolent agency bent upon despoiling, imprisonment, and death, the utter wrongdoing of God's purposes. Misdeeds are a sign of that agency at work. They are not the thing itself. It is the thing itself that is our cosmic enemy. So Jesus beat the thing itself. He beat that malevolent agency bent on destroying, imprisoning, spoiling on, on death. He, on, that's bent on the opposite of what God's intended. That's the mystery of Easter Sunday, actually the defeat of that enemy. And then he goes on to verse 58, and we will finish with verse 58. He says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labour is not in vain. So the mystery of Easter Sunday is that it changes every other day, hour, minute, second of your life dramatically actually gives new purpose and new meaning to everything that we do everything that we're involved in every identity that we take on every role that we function in all of those things are given new purpose because of what Jesus did and Paul says okay look be steadfast and immovable so the resurrection of Jesus Our future resurrection, these are foundation stones for which we build our lives upon. And Paul calls us to do that with consistent faithfulness as followers of Jesus. Now, the original readers of this letter uh, lived in a city called Corinth, uh, in a a church there. And uh, the city and the church were known for following the latest fad. It was a, a city with a bit of money, a bit of wealth, so they could go with the latest fad. They could follow the latest thing. And the church kind of did the same thing. They would follow the latest church leader. They would follow the kind of latest fashionable methodology in church. They were easily distracted by the newest shiny thing, which sounds very much like the modern world, doesn't it? 
And we have much to distract ourselves with, don't we? Much to call us away. But we are called to commit, to be steadfast, to be immovable in our whole lives to Jesus. He's not calling us to commit to an idea. He doesn't call us to commit to one of these new fashionable things or a brand new methodology. He's not really even calling us to commit to a a system of beliefs or a religion. He's saying, commit to Jesus. You are steadfast and immovable because you worship a God that is alive, not dead. And then he says, always abounding in the work of the Lord. So be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord's your labour is not in vain. And now it's easy to, when we think perhaps, what does a steadfast and immovable Christian look like? Or, or a Christian who always abounds in the work of the Lord's. I might think of some of the missionaries I've read about in those famous missionary books or perhaps old famous church leaders or great men and women of faith. You think, oh, those people, that's who he means. But actually, Paul is writing just to a church, ordinary people whose names we don't know who live ordinary lives, have ordinary jobs, ordinary struggles, ordinary successes, ordinary failures. They're just a normal group of people who were trying to follow Jesus in the world as it was at the time. And all he wanted them to do was to look at everything they did in life and look at it through a new set of glasses, a new lens. And that lens is Jesus was dead, now he's alive and he will raise you up as well and you live with that in mind so everything you do everything you do in public or in private you you view it through those that resurrection lens your thought life where you allow your mind to go you do that with resurrection in minds our work lives our finances everything we do our relationships all of those things everything we believe everything we live for we view it through the lens of the resurrection It's a great mystery of Easter Sunday, but actually the Son of God uses it to call us to follow him, to actually take our place in his plan. And the funny thing about Easter Sunday, about this Easter weekend, is it can often feel like this incredible cosmic thing that God did, which we spectate. And we're pleased that he's done for us, but really it was all him and about him, which is true, but the end result is follow me. Be steadfast, be immovable, abound in the work of the Lord's. And your labour is not in vain. You don't do this with futility. Because God can raise people from the dead. It's the ultimate defeat of futility when he raises from the dead. 